Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Everyday's Halloween Podcast. I am your host, Horror Guy Keenan, here to tell you uh, a little bit about Laura Tyler's art over at lauracreations.com. She's an old co-worker friend of mine who has worked for huge productions, uh, including Gardens of the Galaxy. Um, she worked a little bit at Halloween Horror Nights over in Orlando, and now she's selling really cool uh, house elf heads on placards, as if you killed them and you stuck their head on your wall. They look very detailed, very awesome. Uh, you can get your very own at lauracreation.com. Laura Tyler is probably one of the best uh, makeup artists out there at this time. She actually won a uh, season of Face Off and came back occurring roles. Uh, a couple other episodes to help out other artists, uh, even compete in the all-star episodes of Face Off. So definitely check out Laura's website, lauracreation.com. And this special episode is Stephen Shea. Stephen Shea is a really cool uh, friend of mine who has been in the horror industry for a very long time, and we've worked on movies together. Uh, and he does everything from movies to scripts to comics and now books. So uh, without further ado, here's a little bit of Friday the 13th, and then... The interview with Stephen Shea. I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there, some sort of demented creature, surviving in the wilderness, full grown by now, stalking. Stealing what he needs, living off wild animals and vegetation. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claims she saw him. She disappeared two months later, vanished. Blood was everywhere. No one knows what happened to her. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night, and that he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. And by now, I guess you all know we're the first to return here. Five years, five long years he's been dormant. And he's hungry. Jason's out there, watching. Always on the prowl for intruders, ready to kill, ready to devour. Thirsty for young blood. Hey, come back, come back! I got a rock. 
everybody. Happy August slash September, which is a very random, weird time to release this podcast. But a lot of things have been going on. A lot of new stuff is happening with uh, the Everyday Telling podcast. Maybe slowly moving into the YouTube world with some uh, behind-the-scenes videos and things like that. Um, but I want to get too ahead of myself. Uh, my guest this week, this month, half month, I don't know, is writer and director Stephen Shea. Uh, hello, hello, Stephen. What's up? Hi, hello. Greetings from Los Angeles, California. I, you know, you've been on the show uh, before, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, we, what were we talking about then? Was it? Uh, I, think I it don't was, remember. I think it's it, been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. You have a lot. You you never not have projects going on. I, try, I like to stay busy. You like to stay busy with but, things. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Stephen has directed uh, such films as Doomsday County from uh, Troma Films. And uh, you know we have the, the small film 222, which I think you could still view online, correct? It's yeah, it's on Hulu right yeah. now or YouTube or other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, you do photography on the side. Uh, yep. And just like you're all over the place, I, I think that's what, like one of my favorite qualities about you. Um, well, thank you. And uh, this 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 fall season, you have um, a book coming out, and or I guess already came out. Yes, we're delving delving into the novella the novel world now yes. with uh, an actual book that yeah. I co-wrote with the uh, author Terry Cronin. Awesome. And then you had that, you just premiered that at Scream LA this past uh, weekend, right? We we released it at Comic-Con. That was the first, San Diego Comic-Con was the first place you could buy it. But it's uh, it's out now everywhere. It's on Amazon and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we just, uh, we did just have a booth at Scream LA or Scare LA. Scare LA. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. It's hard because you just li- you lived in Orlando for quite a while. And we had Spooky Empire here, and then now you're over on that side of town. So now you're just doing like the the horror, sh- like all the horror shows over there. Cause they have like what four or five a year. There's there's a bunch, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but I, from what you tell me, uh, Scarlet is more of a like industry kind of show rather than like a horror con. It's definitely a haunt, like a haunt con. You know, okay. there's a lot of cool haunted houses you can go through there, but but there's a lot of cool indie horror stuff there as well. Yeah, and filmmakers and things, and they have a film festival. And- so it was fun. We had a good time. That's awesome. So, so tell me about the new book. So the book is called Film Fest Evil. It's a, it's what we're calling a cinematic horror novel. It's all about a serial killer. It takes place in 1998. And there's a killer that is obsessed with the Oscars, the Academy Awards. And he ends up targeting a local independent film festival and starts hacking up all of the, the employees of the festival one by one. Interesting. And uh, how did, like, does he wear a mask or, like, what is his, like... He does. He's dressed up like a, kind of like a deformed Oscar statue. So he has, like, a golden <laughs> face mask and a tuxedo. And he's, he's obsessed with the Oscars, you know. It's, he's, uh, he's, he's a lot of fun. His name is Little Oscar. Uh-huh. Now, but, how, how big is the book? Is it kind of like a short story or a full, full-size full story? It's there? a, uh, it's got 232 pages. It's about 45,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um... So it's a it's like a fun read. It's not like a super crazy like Stephen King novel or anything, but it'd be a good a good book to read on an airplane or yeah, hanging out at a cabin in the woods at night. Right now, is this, like that. now is this kind of like a? Uh, I'm guessing this is more like a slasher story. Yes, it's definitely like a, like a homage to '90s slasher movies. Yeah, let's say 1998 is um, a very interesting year to set your book in. Well, it's a very specific year because the book's all based around the Academy Awards, so mm-hmm. that's a real specific year for the Oscars. Gotcha. Okay trying to think if anything horror wise happened in 1998 oh it was terrifying they said titanic was the best movie of the year (laughs) so it's very scary that is frightening (laughs) god so 
tell me, how does how does a guy that's been doing photography and film for a while? Um, I know you branched off a little bit into comic books. Um, yep. You had the I guess it's Fiend Fatale was uh, one of your film concepts. Um, yeah, we did a uh, we did a few different comic books. One of my good friends, Terry Cronin, owns a company, a publishing company called uh, Three Boys Productions, and they put out a lot of different comic books, horror comics out of Florida. Mm-hmm. And so we'd done a couple different projects for him. Uh, this project called The Vandals, and um, we had helped out with some of his short comics that he did. And he started getting into the world of novels, and he had written four books at this point. And I wrote a script a couple of years ago for him for a film project called Film Fest Evil, which is the movie. So this book is based on a screenplay that we had written a couple of years ago. And so when we didn't go into production with that script, he had the idea to turn it into a book. And so then the book will help get more interest for the screenplay, and then hopefully we can make the movie off the book. And that's the ultimate goal for sure. Gotcha. Okay. So a lot of people can almost read this script before it becomes anything. Yeah, and the book is definitely written like we called it a cinematic horror novel because it definitely feels more like you're watching a movie than you're reading a book. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more stuff on the surface, you know, and it's not necessarily as cerebral as you know a really extensive novel would be. So it kind of feels more like like a movie. Yeah, which is fun. That's really cool. I know I've realized lately uh, with Hollywood that a lot of studios are kind of backing away from horror as much as they did maybe five, six years ago. Um, and it's not because it's a bad thing. It's because there was just a lot of really bad straight-to-DVD horror films getting pushed out there uh, from Lionsgate and things like that. And now with uh, digital distribution, it's it almost feels like, you know, uh, studios are trying to be safe. So those really great stories and and uh, and scripts are kind of going a different path. I know Larry Fessenden just in, was involved in the PlayStation uh, game Until Dawn, which was like uh, it was passed over from studio to studio to studio, and nobody cared. And then he made it into this game, and it's probably one of the best horror games ever to come out. Uh, nice. Starring Hayden Panettiere and a lot of really great actresses and actors who would, uh, you know, never have gotten the chance to be with you know in this story or in this movie at all. So it's kind of cool to see that horror is kind of like you know what if movies won't take us you know we can go to video games we can go to comics we can go to books we can kind of like branch out and i know those things sure. have been around forever um but it just seems like it's it's coming out in a big big way you know so well i think the big problem is now too is there's just no money for marketing you know so there's there's still tons of content coming out there's tons of independent horror films being made independent filmmakers and mm-hmm. independent horror books and and comics and everything but there's just no money for marketing so you don't know that it exists unless you look out for it or, you know, you stumble upon it or you see it at a convention and things like that. And, and we're on the same boat, you know, it's trying to trying to push the book out to as many people as possible mm-hmm. without dropping, you know, millions of dollars in marketing. And that's that's the big challenge that you're competing against the studios with because they have all that money. Right, yeah. And that's, you know, that's why I'm glad you kind of came on the show because this is just another outlet to kind of, you know, push sure. you and get you out there for sure. I appreciate it. So what, what, uh, what is kind of like your favorite like horror stories like if you're a big slasher guy like what kind of movies kind of got you into that i mean i'm a product of the 80s you know so i definitely was raised on freddy and jason and halloween and and so i I love slashers a lot you Mm -hmm. know being a kid and then going through the 90s new scream definitely helped redefine the genre and you know i loved i love going through that but yeah that's definitely always probably been my favorite genre as as opposed to like more of a suspense drama or Mm -hmm. like like now it's it's I feel like a lot of horror now is going with the real suspenseful, scary stuff, very serious horror. Yeah, it's I'm definitely like much home invasion stuff. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely much more of a fun horror, you know, like you're gonna like a Shaun of the Dead style project and that's and this book is definitely a comedy horror 
book. Like it's it's a lot of fun as opposed to a very very like it's I, I think it's really challenging to try to make a scary book. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting because we had a couple of readers that are not horror fans, and they said the book scared them. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like, how did it scare you? It's a book. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, people are getting killed, and that makes me uncomfortable and nervous and worried. And I was like, oh, that's well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it all depends on how you describe the killing, too. You know, right? Like, you can For get sure. very versatile and very detailed in there. But if it sounds like your book's more of a fun kind of comedy horror, it's like there's certain ways that you can do that without you know getting people too bummed out as <laughs> they're eating it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. And, and we have a lot of a lot of quirky, crazy characters and. We made it very specifically in the 90s, and so they don't have cell phones, and everyone has an AOL profile. Oh, that's great. <laughs> or in chat rooms and things, you know, so it's it's kind of a neat throwback. Yeah, do you have any references in there? Oh, there's a million references. And, I mean, the biggest thing is our, our killer actually kills everyone as homages to famous Best Picture winners at the Oscars. Oh, very cool. So, so every death scene is an homage to a famous movie, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny. That's awesome. So you have that, and then I guess you have also a T-shirt you can get on on the website as well, which looks. We very did. Cool. We had, thanks. We had uh, we had some friends of ours, at Enemy Inc., which is a big screen printing T-shirt company, make us some awesome shirts with uh, with our poster that was designed by artist Jeff Chapman, who is an awesome Photoshop artist. He he made this design with like twenty seven different Photoshop images put together that came out really crazy. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah, as I say, I was like, when I saw that poster, I was like, wow, this could be, you know, like an art piece. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's very yeah. nice. And we have it all available on, on abysmal.com. You can buy the shirt and the book and, and that's much other stuff. A-B-Y-S-S-M-A-L, correct? Correct, yeah, two yeah. S's. Uh, yeah, just go under the books and comics section and right there you can uh, order the book. Yeah. So that's very cool. Well, all right, so we're going to go right into news. Would you like to join me with oh, this? Sure, I like news. Very cool. All right, horror news coming in. Uh, so CW has been kicking around the Friday the 13th TV series. Now, Steven, I know you and I went and saw the um, the Friday the 13th remake, reboot, back oh, in yeah. my bloody disgusting days. Um, we weren't too pleased with it. It was okay. It was pretty. It was fun, but it wasn't. I I liked it a lot. I I still feel that it's a continuation. Part thirteen. Like I, I feel like it's the the thirteenth movie or the twelfth movie. You know, I feel like it's if it, if they made it a sequel and not a remake, I don't think people would have been nearly as upset because I think it makes way more sense as a sequel. Right. They just tried to do this whole rebranded marketing to like towards right. it. You know. Um. Well, they're going with the... They kind of kicked away the Friday the 13th franchise. I guess they were trying to stumble around and figure out what they're going to do with it, and they decided to go with something else. A bit more young, a bit more teens, and a bit more vampires. Uh, They're doing the Lost Boys uh, TV series. Uh, Apparently Rob Thomas, not the singer, the creator (laughs) of Veronica Mars and iZombie will be uh, acting as showrunner, according to uh, Vulture. So... We're going to get this show that kind of takes place. Um, they, they got greenlit for like a ton of seasons. And what they're going to do is they're going to start the series in, I believe, the 60s. And so you have like a 10-episode run. Uh, and then every season is a new decade. So you get the 60s, oh. the 70s, the 80s. And, of course, the vampires never age. Uh, so they stay the same age. Even though they'll technically age in real life. So I don't know how, like, <laughs> season 8 is going to huh. work. Yeah. but uh, it's kind of like, It's kind of like that American Vampire comic series. Where every book's a new decade. Yes. Yeah. You know, I never read that. Is that any it's good? good. Yeah. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Who wrote that? Do I don't know? remember. No. I'll go with names. Gotcha. But, <laughs> <laughs> a... 
But yeah, so that's it's an interesting concept. I know CW likes their pretty young kids, so that seems like a more perfect fit than uh, Jason Voorhees running around and slashing people. Like, if you haven't gotten enough Vampire Diaries, here's yeah, your right. next fix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can't really kill the Lost Boys series because they kind of already did that with those sequels that came out like uh, about yeah. five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the last time we saw Corey Haim, wasn't it? Technically, in anything. I don't know. Yeah, he kind of showed up as like a uh, like a, oh, it starred Corey Feldman, the second, right? The second sequel, and then at the very like, end, yeah, he like shows up. He's like, "We got work to do," and then he died. So, well, I'm sure Corey Feldman will come back for the TV show. You know, he's oh, available. Yeah, he's he's got a uh, got a lot of free time on his hands. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Halloween Horror Nights is released pretty much all of their houses here in Orlando and Hollywood. It seems like we're kind of doing like this co-release thing with uh, Hollywood over there with our houses right. now. And if like, if, if it's here first, like we're like the test run in Orlando and then if it does well, uh, they bring it over to Hollywood and like perfect it. But uh, so far right now we have the original houses, which is uh, Lunatics 3D, a playground. Um, then there's Ghost Town and Tomb of the Ancients. Uh, and then as for our actual licensed houses, uh, Krampus will be there, which I'm pretty excited. That's pretty that. cool. Yeah, to see, like, especially, like, you know, you got to pump the AC into that house to make it frigid. Right. <laughs> be awesome. But, uh, you know, uh, Legendary Pictures works very closely with uh, Universal, so I was not surprised to see this one on the mm. list. Uh, next is Halloween, Hell Comes to Haddonfield, which is basically uh, Halloween 2. So there's a lot. Oh. Of, yeah, there's a lot of um, Halloween two like hospital scenes and references. And they've recreated a lot of uh, like the hospital facades and stuff nice. for this one. So that's a really cool change. Um, yeah, the last Halloween house was awesome. Yeah, and I think what it does is it, it you still enter through the house, but the house like evolves like because the Halloween two kind of starts out at the house and it recaps you right. through everything. So it's it's really nice. cool to see that. Uh, our good friend Mike Aiello over at Horror Nights wrote that house. So that was really cool to see awesome. that. Um, Next up, we have The Walking Dead, which is apparently uh, going to be the best parts of every season in one house. Never so, heard of it. Yeah, some some <laughs> indie, indie show, indie comic, I don't know. Yeah. Something. Uh, also, we have The Exorcist. That's cool. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, The Exorcist kind of almost takes place in one room for quite a while. So how do you make a haunted house about that? So the, Does it start in Egypt? I don't know. I don't know any of the details for it, but uh, huh. that would be interesting. I know, was it Exorcist Beginnings kind of went there and did that whole thing? Uh, well, I was wondering, is it based on the movies or is it based on the new series? I think it's based on the movie, like uh, with... No Ray Gina Davis inside the haunted house? Yeah, no Gina Davis, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think they're going to do a lot of really cool tricks and things in kind of every room. Like, you could be in the same room and you go into the next room and it might be angled a little bit different or, like, huh. on a different side. Cool. So it's going to be pretty cool. And apparently pea soup is very, uh, very prevalent in that house. So. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, also coming to Halloween Horror Nights, which will be uh, based on the very first original film. I know nice. we've had a few uh, iterations of that, but this is going to be back to Toby Harper's original story. Uh, and then, uh, I think we have uh, the American Horror Story. Oh, right. And that'll have the seasons from Freak Show, uh, The Haunted House, which was season one, and uh, the Lady Gaga season, which was Hotel. So that mm. should be interesting. I, I kind of stopped watching uh, American Horror Story after Freak Show, so I don't really know much about the hotel. But it seems like good. It'll be a surprise. Yeah, it seems like those would be good 
uh, seasons to do. I know the Asylum would kind of just be another Asylum house, which Universal's already done. And I guess there's uh, the witch season, which is kind of like, it wasn't really scary as much as it was just kind of girls being bitches. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it would just, you know, you could do like a Mean Girls house and it'd be the same thing. Oh, nice. So, yeah. More blood. Right. <laughs> yeah, except for much more blood. So that's coming out of Halloween Horror Nights. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, I can't wait to check that out. Uh, moving on, Rob Zombie's 31 is actually going to hit theaters on September 1st for a one day only Fathom event. Uh, Rob Zombie, like, orgasm. <laughs> Apparently yeah. he's going to have uh, his movie, which plays, and there's also premiering two music videos and a behind-the-scenes that you can only see at Fathom Events, but I call bullshit oh. that he'll probably just fit that behind-the-scenes on the DVD when it releases. Sure. Whenever it releases. Um, this is pretty cool for Rob Zombie fans because he's kind of been getting the shaft from a lot of studios uh, here and there when he's tr- been trying to make his movies and nobody really wants to fund them. So he's, he has to find these... Uh, independent markets to kind of like, you know, when he goes out the cans and stuff like that to, to sell the film, uh, it's usually lower lower bidders that have been buying them and they don't really get wide releases. Mm-hmm. So um, he's got to figure out different ways. And Fathom Events is great. You know, they do a lot of the um, Mystery Science Theater stuff. Uh, or yeah. they'll, they'll re-release classic films in, in like major theaters. So it's really cool to see that come out. Sadly, I will be at Dragon Con this year on September 1st. So he couldn't have timed oh. it more perfectly for me, a zombie head, to not see it. <laughs> Well, Dragon Con's always fun, so that should be exciting. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to do a little bit of, um, of recording out there for, for the podcast and get uh, people to see, like, a ground floor of all the crazy, weird, cool shit that uh, is out there that I kind of discover. Sure. So, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm substituting my love for Rob Zombie for you all that are listening there to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess Quentin Tarantino, he's been beating this Kill Bill Volume 3 thing to dead for for like, like god the past i don't know ever since kill bill volume 2 came out uh he's apparently come out and said that it'll probably be one of his last films that he ever makes so i don't know how you did how you really figure out which is going to be your last film uh wait he's doing kill bill volume 3 he's only, he's talked about it he's like you know it's not oh. in the cards as of right now but it will definitely be made and i've been in talks with uma about it and she's on board and we've been throwing scripts back and forth so there's development working um I mean, they did, you know, spoiler alert, they killed Bill. Right. So would it have to be, like, kill Fred or something? Yeah. I mean, from what it sounds like, it's going to be a lot of um, Vivica A. Fox's daughter who was in the very first one. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sees the bride kill her mother. And then she mm-hmm. says, you know, if you're still raw about this, you know, like 15 years from now, come find me and we'll settle the score. So it's almost like, you know, 15 years later, when that actually comes upon us, like if Quentin Tarantino out of nowhere just comes out with Kill Bill Volume 3 already finished and done, which would be kind of a cool thing. Um, right. But he's a blabbermouth. He says everything he's working on just like this. Like, there's no nothing concrete, but he's talking about it. So I'm sure we'll we'll know well before it's even made uh, that sure. he's making it. So that's kind of exciting. Um, apparently, uh, they've been doing a lot of American Horror Story teasers for the new season. Yeah, what's it about? Yeah, it's... Uh, do we know? It's, we do, but we don't. So there's been a lot of rumors going on around, like, what it's going to be about, but apparently I hear it's going to take place in different time periods instead of just one no. solid time period. Um, and they've kind of been throwing a lot of teasers out for everything. There's been like, you know, your classic Universal monster-looking, you know, trailers to an alien abduction that cracks this person's back and brings them up in the ray, and mm-hmm. uh, baby taking a knife off a little like 
little cradle thing and, and it, it, everything kind of has like the same number which is interesting so they're having fans kind of check those out i'm going to throw a lot of those up on the page uh so more people can figure it out but it seems like it's still very very up in the air right now so really cool promos though for it i'm looking forward to it yeah they watch american cool. horror story uh you know i don't it, it's one that's like on our list to watch we don't watch much television though. we watch like one or two shows at a time and... mm-hmm we're going through Scream right now. Did you watch the Scream show? I watched the first season, yeah. What did you think about I, it? I loved it. Like, I'm absolutely in love with the Scream show. Like, I, I think it's amazing. I think it's neat to see like a, a six-hour slasher movie. Right, yeah. And I mean, they, they do definitely kill off people every episode. So you're, you know, you're, you're wanting you have to... All this, you have all this amazing downtime where they're mourning, which you never get you never get in movies. They'll have a character die, and they'll spend an entire episode mourning that character. And it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it a lot. That's interesting that you say that. Yeah, you know, you don't really ever get mourning. It's usually like people mourn, and then there's always like the like, your protagonist or like the main uh, girl that just goes, "Guys, we just forget it. We need to keep figuring this out. Move forward." <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So that's. I mean, and then the last bit of news. I don't know how you feel about the crow. Do huh. you like the crow? I mean, I like the crow. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you like number one Halloween costume for the past twenty years. Right. Well, it's going to be coming back with Dreads because uh, apparently the Crow remake is uh, happening with Jason Momoa as uh, Eric Draven, the guy who plays Aquaman in the uh, new JS or JLA movie. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely whenever I think of Jason Momoa, I don't really think the Crow. <laughs> no. But uh, I don't know. I guess he would be terrifying with white and black makeup on, crushing his head. So. <laughs> I really like the idea they had talked about about making a female crow. I did too. You, you know, know, I heard about that, and it, you know, they could have done a really cool thing with that. Yeah. Uh, I know there was the one like directed TV crow with uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not ideal. <laughs> a lot of people call that the bloated fish crow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, that's your that's your news uh, for August slash September. Uh, now, I don't know, have you heard about a little film called Clown that Eli Roth produced? Yeah, I did hear it. I haven't gotten to see it yet. Yeah, that comes out this week. Um, I got to check that out. Uh, and, and it's been it's been tossed around for quite a while. Um, it's apparently it's been out a while overseas. And now America's finally getting their taste of it on uh, DVD and Blu-ray this week. There's no clown coming. Who double books a clown? I thought you had a backup. Everything's going to be fine. Perfect. Mr. Clown! Dad, hurry, I'm gonna be late! I physically cannot get it off. It's suffocating. One, two. And, um, you know, I watched it. It's it's not bad. It's it's a pretty cool story. It's a slow burn, but I feel like it's one of those stories that's like it started out as a short story. Mm-hmm. And it has a really great concept, but as you keep pulling and pulling, like the the, the threads kind of start undoing themselves all around. Sure. Um, so at the beginning, it has a very strong start of whenever you kind of start following the character who's you know dressed as a clown, and then it has like he starts slowly becoming the clown and and pulls tries to pull his nose off and he can't. It's like this big bloody scab underneath when he tries to rip it off, and it's very versatile nice. and, and creepy and, and and raw, which I really like the stylization of this film. But as it moves on, it kind of starts to wear and tear. And the mother, you imagine, or the wife, you just hope she would just leave this guy. Like, he's obviously starting to go kind of cuckoo. 
but she stays around and she stays around but it, you get a pretty decent payoff at the very end it's just kind of mm-hmm. like the act two gets very sloppy um, oh. but it's it's still a good watch i'd give it a three out of five kind of thing um so definitely check that out i always like eli ross interest in things um i know he has a lot to do with uh crypt tv and they've kind of yeah. been push, pushing a lot of uh stuff for clown on there and i always like crypt tv's original content that they throw out um well, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, because we actually just developed three new shorts for Crypt TV. Really? Yeah, tell um, me about that. Yeah. yeah, I've just wrote and directed three three little shorts that are going to be coming out from them. Uh, they're kind of gearing up for the Halloween season right now, and so we just delivered those yesterday, actually. So, Can you say uh, anything about them? Uh, they're very short. They're mm-hmm. kind of made... I think they're kind of developing more content for, like, the Instagram market now. Okay. So, uh, they're all under a minute. But um, there's three shorts. They're called one's called Bubbles of Blood, okay. one's called First Time, and one's called Don't Go Upstairs. And uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Very they're cool. Now, where did you guys did you guys did you like film those and then like submit them, or did they have a day where you had to come out to a certain location? No, we had we had known a couple people over there. We had talked to them before about some projects and things, and so this kind of came up where they were collecting some more content, and they're like, hey, you know, we want to see if you could produce some of these shorts for the channel and it was like sure you know we worked out a deal and and then uh yeah we made them all shot shot three shorts in one day kind of made it an, an easy easy knockout and uh it was cool came out really now i'm gonna get nerdy uh tech on you real quick for so this you said that they, they do a lot of stuff now for like the instagram pages and things like that mm-hmm. do you do you film differently because of that like you don't want to use wide angle lenses because it's going to be in a weird, well, tighter format they changed it. You know, Instagram used to only be square, but now it's it's full sixteen by nine. So okay. you can upload full sixteen by nine video to Instagram, and um, it's it's. I mean, it's very bizarre. You know, I still I feel like I'm behind the behind the boat on this whole Instagram, Snapchat, digital media content. You know, I mean, we're, we're already we're just now starting to get more into VR stuff because VR now is blowing up. Yeah, big time. Everybody's shooting. We're pitching more things for VR shows now. We're kind of we're we're tweaking pitches to be them to make them more VR pitches, and so that's interesting too, mm-hmm. where that's going. And that's and now I mean, but now you can do it through YouTube through your cell phone, so it makes it a lot easier. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Wow. So, uh, do any of these stories kind of link together, or are they just kind of their own standalones? No, they're they're kind of their own standalones. Um, and uh, I mean, there's there you know ones about. A, a girl that comes home and takes the bubble bath and the bubble bath doesn't like her very much mm-hmm. and so she's interesting experience with the bubble bath and one's about two kids on a camping trip that uh, are getting ready to 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 make love for the first time and uh-huh. some weird stuff goes down and then the third one's about a uh, a guy comes home to his girlfriend who's all beaten up and bloodied and says that there's someone upstairs and he ends up finding out what uh, what exactly it is so it's a they're like little fun wham bam thank you ma'am shorts mm-hmm. very but cool. very short like 45 second shorts which is interesting because it's like to try to make a a full story with a beginning middle and end in, in under a minute that's an interesting challenge as it is yeah definitely sure. to kind of get people's interests and tell a full story within that time like i can imagine it's pretty difficult yeah but uh but it's fun it's a fun fun exercise and it's always fun to create things and especially with a place like crypt tv which has a great fan base and distribution outlets and whatnot so so yeah. that was a lot of yeah, it seems like, you know, whenever, like, Crypt TV kind of started coming off and I found out it was, like, kind of, like, Eli Roth was a little bit involved, 
mm-hmm. you know, I was instantly like, all right, this is one of those uh, outlets that you know you got to keep looking at. You know, and well, kind they're, of they're growing a lot. I mean, they're they're partnered with Blumhouse and they're partnered with um, the uh, the big TV network. What's it called? Chiller. Chiller. Yeah, now they're partnered with Chiller now. Yeah. And so they're doing a lot of different stuff. God knows Chiller needs it because a lot of the stuff that they've kind of been throwing out is uh, has been has been wishy washy. When you edit your films on a horror channel, it makes me sad in the heart. <laughs> so it's cool. it's cool to see that Crypt TV. You know, maybe they can go that different route where like you can just go to their website where you know a lot of things are going online these days. You don't really need television yeah. to be your your anchor. So they can do a lot of that dark stuff and keep it totally unedited just for like sick horror fans like us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of their outlets online are like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, which are censored, you know, so we actually had to have some censorships put in. We had one that was a little too sexy. And so we had to trim it down a little bit because YouTube or uh, Facebook wouldn't allow it. Really? Wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can't show like nip, but I mean, can you show like, I don't know, like. I mean, I I had, I had a mild amount of side boob and I got flagged. And so I was very disappointed. But uh, flagged for side boob. Wow. (laughs) You know, it's it's they're tearing apart our creativity, man. Like I don't know, you know right? It's, it's beautiful be, artwork. That'll be your next short. <laughs> It'll just be entitled "Tax for Slide There you go. Going <laughs> my business card. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so I want to talk to you a little bit about just horror writing in general. What sure what kind of went into um, to your book that got you kind of just interested in like horror writing? Like, what were kind of your inspirations? I mean, it's. It's one of those things, like I, I started, I mean, I made my first feature in 2002, and it basically came down to where I, I realized we needed to make a feature, and I didn't know any writers, you know, so I knew I had a bunch of ideas, and so I started writing, and I feel like that's a lot of ways directors now and, and filmmakers, they, they write their own stuff just because they can't afford to hire somebody to write it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they don't have the budget to go out and hire a big writer, and so they put it together themselves, and, and so that kind of started, and I mean, I've been in the business for... 17 years now i think something like that and mm-hmm. it's uh you know after a while i mean we have we have about nine projects right now that are packaged like nine different scripts oh, that are wow. written that are packaged that we're shopping around right now between features and series and things like that so you kind of just start writing because you have ideas and you need to put them on paper and like i don't I, i've worked with a couple of writing partners over the years depending on the projects like i wrote a horror comedy and so i brought a comedian friend of mine who's a writer to to co-write you know because it makes it easier and Definitely. and this one would this book was nice. Film Festival was nice because I'd written the script and then basically the process was I wrote the script and then Terry took the script and put it into novel format. Mm-hmm. And then I went back through and, and added a bunch more words and, and elements to it and detailed out the death scenes and things. And we kind of went back and forth a couple of times and then went to, to our editor and had our, our editor go through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a neat process. It took, I mean, it was about mm, about a four month process to get everything done, mm-hmm. and so uh, so that was pretty cool. Can we expect any more books from you? I don't know. You know, I it's funny because I got the bug. Like it's it's so much easier to write a book than it is to write a script. I realized really quickly. Yeah. Uh, just because with books you can literally just vomit words out and thoughts and phrases and whatever you want, then it's okay. Whereas when you write a script, you have logistics to worry about. Like right. how are we gonna pull this off, or how is this going to work, or how is this going to connect to this? And so it's a lot. It's a lot different. But um, yeah, just dr- describing like in a script is very like you have to be very on point exactly. Like, as you're trying to tell a camera where to be and where to move, whereas a book you don't really got to. You just gotta you know right tell the move and that's about it. 
yeah, so it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was a neat, a really neat experience, and I I definitely caught the bug for sure. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we wrote some more things, you know, depending on how good the book does. But and it made me want to go back and start writing some of my other movies into books. Uh-huh. I thought it might be kind of a cool a cool thing to do too. Yeah, definitely. For stories that you know you've always been your stories for quite a while, and you know how hard it is to get it out there for a movie, it's it's really nice to just just get it into people's hands, and that's probably a really easy way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's very cool. I, and, w- I would like to see a lot more uh, books from you guys. Well, it's interesting too because like we d- we did the Scare LA convention and we had a big display and everything set up for the film festival book and I'd have people come by the booth and they're like, oh, what's this? You know, is this a film festival? And it's like, no, it's a book. And they're kind of like, oh, a book like with words. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of confusing to some people because they didn't really understand. I mean. I feel that reading books is not, it's not nearly as popular now as it was before because we have the internet, we have instant media. I mean, you can watch full features on your cell phone immediately whenever you want, you know? And mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that, that whole reading is definitely going away and people say that print is dead. And I mean, I still like the idea of having a book and putting it on a shelf and have a little, my little bookshelf and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's interesting seeing people's reactions where they're kind of like, oh, it's a, is it like a comic book? And I'm like, no, it's, it's a word book. <laughs> you oh, know those things. Oh, oh, huh? Okay, huh? Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> well, it's good that there's there's apps out there like Goodreads uh, that kind of get people back interested in reading books again. So you can kind sure. of like be in social media and you can check in and tell people exactly what page you've ended on. So like next time when you pick up your book, you don't need a bookmark. You can literally just go, oh, all right, I was on page one twenty five, and jump on that. Yeah. And you're kind of letting people know that you're reading and stuff like that too. So I feel like tools like that is kind of you know bringing it back. Not as much like as it was maybe five years ago, but maybe 10, 20 years ago. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, Kindle and everything has definitely given people more more excuses to be able to read without having to carry around big, heavy books. And you can put a whole library in your pocket now. That's crazy. I remember my, my dad was a lawyer. And I remember when we first he used to have these huge libraries with like a couple hundred books of lost legal stuff. And I remember when he got it all on CD-ROM one day, they gave him like 12 CD-ROMs. And they're like, here's your entire library. And it just blew your mind. And now you don't even need that. You know, it's just all in the cloud somewhere and you can research it whenever you want. And... Right. It's very insane to be able to say, like, you have a collection of something without it actually physically being there. <laughs> like... Right. Yeah, it's still strange. I mean, I still buy DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff because it's just weird to me to have this digital cloud somewhere with my movie collection. That's just, that's just awkward. Yeah, and you know, where if you live in Orlando like me and a tornado goes through and the power goes out or you live in... Los Angeles and California like you where an earthquake happens and the power goes out at least you can have yep. you know like your portable DVD player and you can throw <laughs> something yeah definitely watch. so well that's very cool Steven well, I'm glad that it you know it's, it's out there now uh, you can check it out and uh, yep now you're over at Twitter at abysmal ENT ENT yeah abysmal ENT gotcha um, and you can get to everything from abysmal.com you know the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Vimeo, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. Abysmal is out there. It's it's all over the place, trying to be, <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, it was very cool talking to you again, Stephen. Uh, it's it's yeah, been man. quite a while. <laughs> yes, too long. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, so yeah, check it out. The book is Film Fest Evil, and it's out right now over at abysmal.com. Or Amazon, too, because some people get... They feel uncomfortable about ordering from certain things. But if you do order from abysmal.com, I send a bunch of cool free stuff with it that oh, you nice. can't get on Amazon. So, Cool. Thank you very much for coming on, Stephen. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Misfits Halloween and Halloween 2. Pop, pop, pop.
So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with uh, Stephen Shea. Be sure to check out his stuff over at Abysmal. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate the support. You guys have been awesome over on Instagram and the Facebook page and everything. Uh, Every day is Halloween. Um, I'm going to start posting a lot of stuff and news and updates over at SpaceDragonCast.com. Space Dragon is my other podcast I do for sci-fi uh, and comics and gaming and stuff like that. But I'm trying to bring the Halloween love to that site as well so definitely check out spacedragoncast.com um also i want to give a little shout out to a few places that have uh have been really cool over the last couple uh couple weeks um monsters are good monsters are good.storeenvy.com has some really cool merchandise uh think of the batman logo but instead of it saying batman with his cape open like the old school tv series it says dracula and it has bella lugosi's face uh there's a ramones t-shirt that i have that's uh that's the ramones uh you know rockaway beach album but instead uh, it's all the universal monsters and on the background it's on the back uh you know, uh, Ramon logo instead of like, you know, the Republican logo and stuff. It says Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, creature. So it's, it's really cool. They have really cool, awesome universal monster looking stuff over there. So definitely check out their website. Uh, also a big shout out to dark candles who are going to have all their Halloween fragrances out this year. Uh, carved pumpkin, uh, Dracula's blood, uh, moss crypt, a bunch of really cool haunted house Halloween scents over there. So definitely go check them out. 
uh, October 1st, uh, a lot of my art will be in the uh, Hourglass Brewery Villain uh, Art Show Gallery. So that's October 1st. They're just doing a lot of um, an art show on villains. And it's out here in, in Orlando. Just, just, you know, type in Hourglass Brewery. You'll find your, your directions out there. But a lot of really cool stuff coming out there. So I'll have a few art pieces, maybe a Godzilla piece. So definitely go check that out. Um, I'll be at DragonCon, uh, not this, I guess, this upcoming weekend, whenever you guys are listening to the show. So if you're out there, give uh, Every Day is Halloween a love. I'll be promoting stuff, reviewing, uh, hopefully getting some interviews for you guys for the show. So a lot of really cool stuff coming up, including I'm trying to get a lot of footage out there, so I want to start a series on YouTube. So I would love for you guys to jump over to YouTube and uh, subscribe to the show once it's out, but that's still uh, about a month away. That'll be in October for you guys. I want to have some really cool, you know, eyes on the ground of Halloween Horror Nights and, and Dragon Con and stuff that for you guys to really see and just, you know, throw some music in there and just have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, alright, until uh, September, I'll see you guys later and uh, have a spooky, scary uh, soon-to-be ending August slash September. Ah! Okay, yeah, we're all freaking about uh, Stranger Things. We all know Stranger Things is great. I don't need to tell you to go watch Stranger Things. Uh, you've probably already seen it. You've probably already binge-watched all eight episodes. Uh, but let me just tell you that Stranger Things is a love letter to everything that's amazing in the 80s, including horror and sci-fi and mystery. Uh, so I'm going to end the show on the Stranger Things uh, soundtrack. I'm not going to give you guys like the short version. I'm going to give you guys the full, full-length full version. So uh, here's the Stranger Things soundtrack.